Live from Perth, Australia, and broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show with your host, Oren McCory. The O Show is a no-nonsense podcast bringing you the best advice on training, mindset, and nutrition to supercharge your efforts in the gym, the kitchen, and most importantly, in your head. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, guys. Welcome to today's episode of The O Show. I am your host, Oren McCarry, and today I have on a good friend of mine from Hamilton in Scotland, just outside of Glasgow, Mr. Mark Strathern. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. Thank you so much for having me on. Mate, it's a pleasure, and you're getting a lot of um, a lot of publicity from other trainers getting you on their, either their groups to dispense your knowledge bombs or on podcasts like this, so I'm just glad that I could get you on and you weren't too booked up. Mate, this month has been um, a breath of fresh air. I would say it's good to know that I'm having an impact. What I what I have to say kind of matters, which is great. Um, obviously, it just means that I need to manage my time a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The coming in. But we've obviously meant to be doing this for a couple of weeks now. But COVID's had other ideas because I spent the last couple of weeks sounding like Marge Simpson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had to push this podcast back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you sent me a voice and you're like, bro, listen, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm energetic and still go. But you want the, the voice to be there? I was like, mate, you've got you've got COVID, a positive test for COVID. Let's just chill, de-stress <laughs> and <laughs> go from there. So um, guys, he's our experience in Mark and all his glory. Now the voice back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, they wouldn't have wanted to hear the Scottish accent sounding like Marge Simpson. No one would have understood this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think the struggle with my accent half the time, mate. So, uh, and anything new. And to be fair, anytime I get Scottish guys on, because obviously I've got a big um, Scottish connection with both Authority Network and living in Glasgow for so long, um, everyone's always like, oh, I love these Scottish accents. So that that's something at least we, we give the ones who are diehard Scottish accents fans, we give them that two weeks to, to get the best out of you here. So, I mean, let's talk a bit about you and I, let's introduce you a bit because from my point of view, mate, like we were in the same business group and I noticed, you know, all these posts you were putting in and you really had a lot of nuggets and a lot of um, stuff that would help us with clients. And it just seemed like, came out of nowhere I was like fuck this guy knows his stuff like he's top guy and then you know you're just putting a lot of really great content out there and it's clear in the content that you post that you just you know your stuff and you go all in for your clients so let's talk about you who you are who you work with and just a little bit of general background yeah well first and foremost mate thank you I appreciate that I feel like I kind of came out of nowhere as well (laughs) so we're both on the same page there but I think that question, first and foremost, like, who am I? Um, it's difficult to, to kind of describe in a sentence. But as you know, we all, we all kind of hold different identities. We all wear different hats on different days and different scenarios and different environments. So to sum myself up, I wouldn't really give myself a label of someone who was a coach. I wouldn't even give myself a label as someone just as a partner or a son or a brother or a friend, um, I like to kind of describe myself more so with the attributes and skills that I hold as an individual, because I think when you get tied down, especially in the coaching world of just relying your total kind of success and happiness upon your success as a coach, because that's your identity, you're really opening the door to vulnerability 
and you're always going to be living almost on the edge of uncertainty like is this all going to fall apart because as you know several coaches can live very dangerously in their own mind mm-hmm. thinking that things are just going to all of a sudden fall apart out of nowhere which isn't the case but when you kind of describe and identify yourself as someone who's resilient disciplined um, who can help other people out of sticky situations who has the power to track and understand human behavior to obviously empathize but also um, I would say deliver the best possible tools to people who need to get out of a sticky situation I think when you can identify yourself as that person which I very much do I can I can be a bit of a chameleon like I always say if I had to have the title of coach taken away from me and tomorrow my business fell apart I was no longer actually doing this role I would find something else to do helping people because yeah. I know for a fact the purpose that I have on this earth and the skill that I have is to help other people, to be able to give them an insight into themselves that they've never probably had, what they've never understood. And I like to be able to really look into the soul of people and speak to them in a way which they've never been able to speak to even their partners about, their friends, and just really know how they tick. And I think that's what I've always been great at. Like I worked on the gym floor for six years and I always knew I was wasted on the gym floor. Like, at school, I was never kind of pulled down with the fact that I wasn't a, an A-grade student. Because I think when you look at tangible goals in life, for example, and identify yourself again as someone who is either an A-grade student, which obviously gives you that kind of power to go on in life and really push for your goals and achieve your goals. But then you, on the flip side, you've got this kind of C or D life for people that didn't achieve great, great grades. And you've got everyone kind of predetermining what kind of life you're going to have off the back of that. But when I was at school, like, I knew I had far more depth than the kind of people around me. I knew I held skills, like more resilience, more hard work, more determination than the people around me that were getting Bs and As and firsts and whatever it may have been. So when I walked away with school, from school, sorry, with very little, I didn't really bat an eyelid. I always knew I was kind of destined for more. I just had to find the right environment what I was great at and I always knew I was very compassionate towards other people and helped them to get out of these sticky situations and essentially always put them first before me which isn't the best thing to do and we'll come on to probably why in a while but it was basically a, a stepping stone putting other people first before me um, to get to where I am today and understand like how good I am at what I do which has now enabled me to redirect my energy into myself focus on number one continuously at all times to then deliver a fantastic service to everyone and anyone who needs it so that was quite long-winded and I digressed a uh-huh. little bit but essentially um, who am I I am just a happy resilient disciplined guy who lives by his values and who loves to help other people and allow them to to realize their true potential let's put it that way awesome yeah awesome and i know you said it was long-winded and a bit like off piece a bit but that's <laughs> completely different to how anyone has ever answered that question and i think that's the type of reason why we've got you on this podcast today i mean so i can't wait to hear the rest of it now so let's right. let's dig into who do you normally work with you've talked about how you're very passionate about helping these people and going deep and looking into who they truly are so you can really help them but who's your average client and who do you really get passionate about working with the most yeah so my average client is just me and my younger years so to kind of go back to my younger years obviously we touched on the fact that I didn't really get a lot of grades at school um 
I was never really switched on at school from an education perspective because nothing took my fancy. Like when it comes to habits, we all know how kind of habit formation works and nothing was ever um, attractive to me because I never really seen the benefit or the key outcome that really drove me to be great in that, in that environment. So I wasn't great at school. Um, growing up, was never the best looking guy, um, was never the best at sports, um, was never the most popular guy. So what I kind of seemed to have done as I grew up um, was kind of follow the crowd. And I really started to put other people first in a sense of seeking acceptance and validity from them because I was not secure enough in myself like I said like I always knew that I was kind of destined for greater things than a lot of people that I was surrounded with but that can be quite scary see when you know that you have the, the potential to maybe go a completely different path away from the herd it can be quite scary in the sense that you just think you know what well no one else is doing this do I really believe what I can achieve and then sometimes you just stay in the comfort zone and you think to yourself you know what no I'm just going to I'm just going to satisfy the urge of human acceptance and validity instead of going out on, on my own and being a bit of a lone wolf and essentially maybe not ever finding my way or finding that one thing that I need to. So I don't really look back and regret the way that I was kind of, not that I was brought up, but the way that I brought myself up into the world. Like I got myself in a lot of trouble. Like I never knew how to give myself the acceptance that I needed. So I always kind of searched it from other people. So essentially that's the kind of people that I work with, people who have quite low self-worth sometimes actually know that they have a, a huge potential ahead of them but don't really know how to unlock it and are so scared to kind of lean in and leverage it that their self-worth becomes reliant on other people and then that habit forms and then over time they just lose themselves they don't really know who they are they've, lo they've lost a lot of trust in their own integrity because they've tried and failed several times because if you you say you're going to do something time and time again and you never see it through, you start to lose trust in yourself. And the way that I always kind of speak to my clients is when you have a, a best friend or a, a group of friends um, when you're growing up, you always have that one friend that isn't particularly nice. Like you've probably had one of those friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you'll, you'll have these friends when you're growing up that potentially aren't the nicest. You actually wonder why you're hanging around with them in the first place. They don't show up when they say they're going to, um, they speak negatively to you when they see fit. They only support you when they see fit. They might um, ditch like birthday gatherings and special occasions and they might actually say they're going to help you with the organisations and stuff and they never do it. So you just start to lose trust in, in that friend over time and you actually start to become a little bit embarrassed by them. And essentially the clients I work with, they are that friend to themselves. So they get to a point where they've been that friend that they never wanted to have in their life to themselves. And I basically rebuild that relationship that they have with themselves so that they can, they can win and they can win big. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's really powerful. Like whenever you look at coaching and it's beyond the, the sort of body image and the macros and the training re regimes, and it's actually allowing people to step into their self-worth and start to value themselves. That's huge, mate. So Let's dig in a bit about that. So the average person comes to you. So they're very like you that, you know, they have a bad relationship with themselves. Let's just sum it up as, as that. How do you then get them to sort of come out of their shell, start accepting themselves more and then become this like truer, higher version of themselves? That is a great question. So <laughs> first and foremost, you actually need to find the origin. 
or why they feel that way about themselves because it's always something and most of the time what people don't actually quite realize is trauma is something that manifests itself in the brain right over a number of years and a lot of our trauma as individuals in the way that we see ourselves today that kind of identity that poor identity comes from childhood now most of the time if you speak to the majority of people that you're working with today the reason why they're out of shape is because they use their body almost like a front man right so the way that they feel about themselves on the inside the body takes the brunt of it so if you feel great about yourself you're essentially going to be in great shape if you feel shit about yourself essentially you're going to be in shit shape not just obviously physically but also mentally because at the end of the day the body only takes orders from the governing body which is the brain and the brain and the mindset obviously go hand in hand based upon what you think about yourself and all of your actions will manifest themselves off the back of that. So if we look at this um, kind of journey that the clients have been on to this point, there's always been one or more decisive kind of factors in their life which have manifested themselves in their mind and made them identify themselves as someone who is usually very low in self-worth or isn't, isn't worthy, let's kind of put it that way. And we first need to kind of identify the origin by just asking the question. Now, I kind of speak to a lot of coaches who are like, well, I don't want to push past um, my kind of line of authority. Like, I don't know where, like, my duty as a PT ends and where, like, external professional help would then come in, like a counsellor or a therapist or someone like that. So all you can do is ask the question to actually understand whether or not it's inside your scope of practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because... Like the thing about these these issues is that if you don't uncover them in the first place, like you're never going to be able to shift your identity. You're never going to think like I'm not this person that these other people have led me to believe that I am. Now, a lot of the, the people that I work with have usually been bullied through school, usually struggled with their weight, but they identify themselves as someone who struggles with their weight. Now, mate, you know, if you identify yourself as someone that's out of shape, your habits are going to align totally with that person um, instead of aligning your habits to someone who is fit, who is healthy, who is a runner, who is someone that goes to the gym instead of just trying to do these things because when you're trying to do those things it's not the identity that you hold. So we need to understand the origin um, first and foremost because without asking the questions we don't know whether or not we have to refer out or if we can actually fix these things in-house because once you've got the the origin you can then start to understand a little bit more about whether or not they can still see truth in that today so the way that i usually kind of word it to people that i'm speaking to as well and i actually done a, a talk to dan hancock's um mind and body team so dan hancock is obviously um just bringing out the mental health qualification so mental health and exercise qualification kind of first of its kind and a lot of those guys obviously suffer with poor mental health because their self-worth is low. And I was actually talking to one of the girls on that and she basically said that her self-worth was very low because she had a child and once she'd had that child, they wanted to have another child. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to have a child, um, right. a, a second child. Um, so she was struggling with that. So she'd actually went on to adopt. So she now has a wee boy that she's adopted as well alongside her daughter. And I actually said to her um, at the time, like, you feel like you're worthy because you can't have another child, but you've given this wee boy a wonderful life, like a fighting chance to become a better version of himself based on coming out of a, a, a unit of kids that potentially are 
are destined to achieve less straight away from being in that environment. You know what I mean? Um, and I said to her, like, what truth do you have in yourself or can you find in yourself that you're worthless because of that? Because if anything, you're a bit of a saint because you brought this child into your life. And would you like someone else living your life, looking after your family, like watching this wee boy that you've adopted grow up? Would you want someone else living that life that you're currently in and seeing all of those incredible times like transpire and progress and you're looking in from the outside, like that's my life, I want to live it. But right now, because you're in it, you feel like it's not it's it's not the best life that you could be living because you're you're identifying yourself upon one thing that essentially has already given you life and yeah. has enabled you to actually do a very selfless thing for another wee boy. And she took a step back and she was like, I wouldn't want anyone living my life. And I was like, so why do you feel as if you're so worthless then? She actually didn't have an answer. She yeah. was just like, you oh, well, like obviously because I can't have a kid and I don't you've already had one and you've just said like you wouldn't change your life now for what it is. So what is it? And she was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's just a crutch I've been living with. So then it just comes down to shifting the identity. It's about compounding small wins. So small wins for her would essentially just be serving that child as well as she physically can and put all of her strength, power, attention into her, her own um, child as well, just so that they can grow up to be the best versions of themselves. And that will that will build her self-worth up because a lot of parents anyway, like they measure their self-worth upon the the um, growth and the success of their children. Obviously, all parents want their children to grow up and be great people. And by focusing on the one thing that she can't do, which is already given her life anyway, or given her a life, um, she would actually be taking away a lot of focus from building those um, children into the best possible versions of themselves. And essentially her self-worth would be impacted even further down the line when she realizes that she didn't do the best job that she could with a life that she could absolutely love now regardless of what functions she had as a female to either give birth again or not so it's all about really looking at those origins and then just stripping it back and just flipping a perspective on it and then just constantly refining that um and that's probably the most important thing is just constant refinement of i am worthy like i am worthy of love regardless of what I can or cannot do but anything that I cannot do is essentially something that I can build upon and improve moving forward yeah that's awesome that's like so so deep and so on the nail and like you said there was just like that switch in perspective and sometimes it takes that external source and like you said people might be thinking oh he's just my PT why is he asking me these questions so Let's say, for example, you're you're digging in with this with a new client, say the exact same example, and they start to give you pushback, but like they're just a, like they're just putting up a wall, you know what I mean? Where like they're just nearly afraid to talk about stuff, like they're, they're nearly afraid to be vulnerable. Yeah. What would you do in that circumstance where you probably know you can help them, but they're just being a little bit hesitant? Yeah, and that, that's a, again a great question because we both know that unless you can show full vulnerability and authenticity, then ultimately you're not going to change because when we look forward to the person that these people want to become, um, if you say to someone, right, what does the super version of you have, which is the future you, the person that's achieving the results, the person that's thriving, the person that has great habits, the person that's happy, what does the super version of you have that you don't currently have? And 
usually people don't come up with an answer, but I answer it first anyway, because the answer essentially is nothing. The person that you can step into doesn't have anything different to the person that you have now. It's just obviously about unlocking that potential that people know that they have and being able to focus on those habits. But the only difference between the super version of you and the person that you are now essentially is what you're still holding on to. And it's until you let go of that emotional baggage because when you're when you're being held down with something that is making you more emotionally volatile, intelligence is going to be low. So I basically just start hitting them with kind of hard, cold facts about their emotional volatility because everything that we do within my program isn't metric-based. Of course, yes, we've got a destination, which is the end goal, and we basically correlate all of the compounding steps on a daily basis to get to that point like every other coach does. But I don't put the emphasis and focus on the metrics as such, because a lot of the time when people become very number obsessed, they can become very emotionally volatile. (laughs) So my job and my role and the way that I see my, my mission and duty as a coach is to make sure that I can get these clients to control their emotions far more than they ever have. Because like I said, when people are more emotionally volatile, emotions high, intelligence is low, they just start to make very, very poor, poor decisions. So my goal is to get them to be able to be in the best possible headspace to make the best decisions. And one of the things I very often say to clients is imagine the stressed out version of you, they're a fucking maniac. (laughs) And they're always like, no, you're you're completely right. Like absolute maniac. Um, And I say, well, you wouldn't invite the stressed out version of you into your own home for dinner to spend time with your family it's someone that you actively don't like and a lot of the time after you've went through like an emotional episode you probably feel guilty you probably feel frustrated and what happens at that point is you then just start to emotionally you start to underutilize exercise you're focusing a lot of instant gratification you just sit in front of the tv you just fester most of your time away on social media because you're getting a short-term dopamine hit and then you're actually comparing your life to other people on instagram that essentially don't align with your values anyway but are living a life which is their surface level which you're then connecting to your entire life so it's just about hitting them with facts and again kind of understanding that you know them and yes this this job role will potentially be hard for people that don't know what I know but it's something you can always figure out but I think my role and why what I do is quite special is because I don't feel like I've had to learn this stuff. Um, I think it's because I've been through those experiences in the past. I've felt all the emotions, like I've been at the highs, I've been at the lows, and by going through that adversity and challenge, I would never regret the life that I've been through, kind of like what I said at the start, talking about kind of looking back. I would never regret it because now I wouldn't be able to do the job that I do for my clients the way that I do because I wouldn't be able to articulate myself with the same amount of depth because I've always been quite a, a deep guy anyway. I wouldn't be able to articulate myself with the same amount of depth if I hadn't actually been there, experienced them, understood the repercussions, the consequences of it. Um, So I think that's probably that in a nutshell. It's quite, obviously it's quite broad because there can be so many different situations, Um, but it's more so about basically just building a friendship with yourself. Because like I said, body is the front man. If you can treat your body as a separate entity to yourself, so it's like you, and your body your body needs to be treated like your best friend and would you treat your best friend with disrespect would you abuse your best friend would you speak negatively to your best friend why are you doing it with yourself and then just trying to correlate a build um, in that relationship 
through journaling and through small wins, so just compounding wins and regaining that trust in their own integrity over time. Um, mindfulness, meditation, um, planning, just doing everything they can to ensure that they protect their energy so that they don't stretch themselves too thin, start becoming emotional, and then that's where the, the real kind of impact then starts to happen, poorly, of course. Yeah, yeah. So when somebody starts to spread themselves thin like this and they start to make these negative decisions, you're obviously, like you said, you're doing all these steps to try to help it and try to eliminate that ever ever happening again with them, right? Because a lot of times people will go on this cycle of, you know, they start to make real good progress, then they slip into these bad habits and the negative self-talk. So you mentioned a lot of things are at the end that are part of that. So meditation, mindfulness, how much of a role does that play in your program when you're working with these people? And how do you sort of introduce that? Because a lot of the times what you'll find with journaling and mindset and um, meditation and things, people are very, very hesitant at their start. They don't see themselves as they see meditation as being some, you know, guy aligning his chakras sitting in in a field somewhere right they don't think about how they're gonna do it how they're gonna benefit from it right they just see oh that's too early furry for me that's not like that's not the right thing and sometimes they might even say um i think it was um russell on russell brown podcast joe wicks was on and he says oh i'm too busy or too stressed to meditate russell and russell brown said them that's exactly why you need to do it yeah. So like, how do you introduce that to somebody who's coming in and maybe is like, you know, completely against it or just hasn't, hasn't got the ability to imagine themselves doing it? Yeah. Um, within my program, I would probably say it's, it's became a bit of a culture. Um, I was listening to one of the high performance podcasts with Rio Ferdinand and he was talking about how when a new player turned up in Man United's dressing room, basically Alex Ferguson didn't have to speak with this player and tell them how to conduct themselves. There was just a culture amongst the players in the club that people knew how to conduct themselves when they came in. And if they didn't, they would soon know. Now, that's very similar to my programme. Um, so I would probably answer this question more so from a perspective of someone who wasn't following that culture initially. Um, I've got it on my onboarding process, but the best possible way to probably um, articulate it to someone from the very the very get-go is that on calls that I jump on um, prior to people coming on board with me is that we don't really speak anything about logistics it's all about how they want to feel and basically the way in which we within the program um, use tools to focus on that I've also got a, a mindset coach so my mindset coach Jane um, she is a coaching and a development coach for the NHS and basically she's been a client of mine for 18 months 19 months now so Jen came to me and when she first came to me she was severely overweight um, and I knew again there was more there um, behind her story like I wanted to know why she was so overweight and one of the questions I actually gave to her one day was can you give me a list of reasons to stay the way that you are now in comparison to getting to your end goal. And John Martini spoke about this very, very well in um, a podcast before. And he basically said that he had a woman not wanting to, to lose weight who came to him um, wanting to fix her mindset. And basically the reason why she didn't want to lose weight is when she was younger, she basically cheated on the love of her life um, or, or the love of her life 
life at that point with someone um, and she put that down to her being very attractive. Now, the reason why she's now out of shape is because that she'd grown up, she'd met someone else, she had a family and she didn't want to get back in shape because she correlated being in shape with potentially cheating on a partner and yeah. she didn't want her family to fall apart, which is crazy powerful, like yeah. fucking like it's crazy like how the how the trauma almost manifests in this mind and the thing is people listening to this like trauma doesn't have to be going to war and seeing people getting killed it doesn't need to be seeing someone getting raped it doesn't need to be getting raped it doesn't need to be um someone coming home um to a burglar being in their house and like and suffering injuries and stuff that's that's not what trauma needs to be trauma can manifest itself in anyone's mind and everyone's mind will will manifest it differently depending on upon the tactics that those people use to to keep it under control so jen she um came to me after being in a physically verbally and also sexually abusive relationship and she basically seen herself as worthless like didn't need to be um, attractive to herself because attractiveness for her then meant that she would probably find herself going back into this traumatic situation and environment which she didn't want to go back into. So basically being overweight for her was the power that she needed to stay comfortable and confident in herself that she was never going to experience that pain again, which again is, is mind-blowing, really, yeah. because it just shows the extent of what things can happen in the mind. So over the past number of, uh, past 19 months or so, um, Jen and I have been working together um, on her identity, her mindset, um, and you know what? I've actually got uh, something here I can read out from Jen's, um, Jen's input to her journal um, because yeah. I use this a lot with my guys, right? So one thing I get to do is basically journal five things you would say to a best friend. So the first one that Jen wrote here is, I don't look any different and I'm still as fat as I was, right? So I basically said, imagine what you would say to a best friend if a best friend said that exact same thing to you and write it down. Um, she replied, this, uh, this evidently isn't true, and you clearly have. Do a side-by-side -side picture so you can see in black and white you're worth more than your weight and what you look like. The second one was, I can't wear my holiday clothes because I'm too fat and people will laugh at me. She responded, it's, it's hot and no one actually cares what you look like. Wear whatever you're comfortable in. Number three, you're shit at your job and you have no credibility. You only had one bad meeting that didn't go well for a multitude of reasons. It wasn't your fault. Things are unclear and uncertain. You don't need to have all of the answers. Number four was you can't wear a dress and bare legs to work because you're too fat and your legs are covered in bruises. Then the reply was it's 26 degrees outside, which is obviously hot for here yeah. um, in the summer. That's like, that's like the peak of the weather. <laughs> um, and you'll melt in the office, wear whatever you're comfortable in. Even if people notice or judge, it doesn't matter what others think. You deserve to wear nice things that keep you cool and comfortable. And then the last one was you're extremely irritating as a person and people don't actually like you, they just tolerate you. And then the response was, if people didn't like you, you wouldn't have any friends and you definitely have pissed more people off by now or had more confrontation with people who thought you were irritating. Just because you don't dislike yourself, or sorry, just because you do dislike yourself doesn't mean other people do which I think is very powerful. So that kind of culture, when people come into my program, like we speak about all these mindfulness tactics and we speak about how we focus on the emotions and basically what success and happiness looks like to them. And then they go off to Jen. Jen does like a two hour call with them talking over um, like their values, their vision for themselves and how they can align this process 
to their values so they can essentially become the best possible version of themselves. And then I just frame it from the get-go on my onboarding process. I've got a bunch of videos talking about the same stuff that we would have spoke about in the call, but just really pushing it in more depth. One of the onboarding videos I give to absolutely everyone, which is a, an hour and a half long training, is called Master Your Mind with Journaling. And basically tell people once they've done that, where they can then go and find a link to the best journal um, and basically buy it ASAP and start journaling straight away. So it's, and obviously the, the master your mind with journaling a webinar goes into a lot of tactics behind how to journal and gives you a bit of a, a structure to journal because journaling is just kind of word vomit, but a lot of people still don't um, engage in it because they're like, oh, I just feel stupid writing nothing. So if I can give a, a structure, it means people can follow it. Yep, yep, perfect, man. And that's clearly massive like think about what you'd say to your best friend in that scenario like that's huge and you could see i can nearly imagine her like as you went back and forth over this like i can nearly see her the cogs turning and being like oh maybe i should start start being nicer to myself you know yeah yeah she literally i remember the first time after i got her to do this <laughs> she thought she was like i had a realization during it she was like why have you been such a wanker to yourself? <laughs> like, it, just, it literally was just like a light bulb moment. And the way that I see people going through this sort of process is people disengage from any process when they're not getting a return on, on their investment. And people that do struggle with poor self-worth, the kind of people that I work with, if they, if they feel as though they are not getting the return on their investment, not only the return on their investment when it comes to money, I mean, the return on their investment when it comes to their effort, their intent, their plan, and their, their actions. If they're not getting the return of happiness, of success, of joyfulness, um, all of this stuff, usually what tends to happen is then people disengage in the process. So they disengage in the recovery process. It's almost similarly to people who are alcoholics or drug addicts. Like, if you start to rebound, like, and you, you break sobriety, what's going to happen? Do you think those people are going to go running back to rehab or AA? Definitely not. They totally yeah. disengage. So very frequently when I see people disengaging from anything, it's because they're just reminding themselves of who they who they once were and who they're trying to, to get away from. And basically just remind them that by disengaging and the things within the program, essentially what's happening is they're just giving themselves an um, authorization to continuously be unhappy. And yeah. again, just gearing it towards the emotions more than anything else, rather than being like, like I don't think many of these coaches exist anymore. I would like to hope not, but instead of just being like, work harder, because that sort of thought process is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, mate. And so there's a, there's a lot to digest here, mate. But in terms of journaling, was covered in depth here, mate. That sounds incredible for getting people into this. What about, you know, the benefits of meditation? Like, how do you do it with the clients? Do you use apps? Do you get them to, you know, do a certain type of breathing, a certain app? What, what way do you get them to get into the whole meditation side of things then? Yeah. So the way that I kind of frame meditation is just about becoming more self-aware. Because when you can become more self-aware, it just means that you know what um, brings you joy, means what makes you unhappy. Self-awareness has just been able to really tune into how you feel at any given time. And a lot of people in this kind of high stressed out environment that we're in these days essentially don't have any self-awareness because you know how the stress response works. So obviously, when that sympathetic drive um, starts again to full flight, um, 
you just turn into this like crazed maniac, like we kind of spoke about at the start of the call or the start of the podcast, sorry. Um, so when you turn into that really impulsive and erratic individual, what then happens is self-awareness just dwindles away and it disappears. And you'll always just act out of fear, you'll act out of desperation, you'll act out of emotion, you'll act out of impulse. And that means that self-awareness is really poor um, because a lot of people still continue to engage in the same things over and over again, even when they know the, the issue is causing them quite a bit of distress. And the way that I like to kind of frame that to clients as well, uh, the analogy I like to use um, is the quicksand analogy. So if I had to say, Oren, mate, next Wednesday at 11.42, right? <laughs> UK time, uh, UK time, I'm going to push you in quicksand. You've got a week to figure out how to get out of quicksand. So you would go away, you would Google it, you would maybe talk to people who have been in quicksand before, like how did they get out? You might tie a rope around a tree, then tie the other end around your waist, jump in <laughs> and try and swim out. But essentially, if I had to push you in right now, it would be totally different because you'd have no preparation for it. And what would then happen is you would sink, you would, well, you would struggle. And we know that when you struggle, you would sink in quicksand and then you would die essentially. So that's what people are doing over and over and over again. I like to kind of imagine it almost like a video game. Like you have three lives, but in this life, you have unlimited lives, just going back to the same thing. I actually like to imagine it, like I've got a really funny vision in my head of, of this quicksand analogy, but it's actually in the, the film um, Jumanji with The Rock, when um, Jack Black gets eaten by the hippo, <laughs> right at the start, <laughs> when he's falling into the jungle. So I've, two of my clients, like the guys that hear me say this, I'm like, don't be Jack Black and Jumanji, like going back <laughs> into that scenario again to be eaten by that hippo. Um, and basically just saying that, and just kind of, again, reframing it to the, to the life they want to live, it's more so like, do you want to spend the rest of your life being stressed out and unhappy? If I fast forward 10 years and you're still falling in quicksand at the same thing, do you want to still be living that same life? No, of course not, right? Well, we need to focus on something that's going to serve you and allow you to live the life that you want to live. But obviously, building habits so that they're attractive, habit stacking, and basically, they can use anything. So Headspace is usually the most popular one. Um, few of my guys use kind of Wim Hof, but... Above all else, with self-awareness, I just want them to become more kind of mindful in the moment above all else. So when that stress response triggers, actually feeling the emotion and understanding where it's coming from. So many people don't stop and think before they act impulsively out of stress. And stress these days is completely different to what it was like centuries ago. Like our ancestors had like saber-toothed tigers, fucking dinosaurs to deal with like yeah. other tribes coming and trying to kill them like me our our stress in this day and age is like going to aldi and the, the server throwing your food at you too quickly to yeah. your phone. <laughs> um it's it's like it's, it's it's traffic it's been in a traffic jam you know what i mean it's it's your kids doing your head in um whereas that's obviously like drastically changed and transformed as or transformed sorry since the generations um have have developed so i want my clients to become more mindful in the moment where they're actually not not blocking out their emotions but actually feeling them because so many of my clients are so quick to try and run from their emotions just like everyone is everyone is very poor emotional control but that's what makes us human like, and the fact of the matter is the, the main commonality as human beings that we have is that we're all imperfect, which is great. That, that's what brings us together. And people would love to just be able to, to feel the, the great emotions when they can feel them and suppress the, the poor ones 
when they come around, but it doesn't work that way because when you suppress emotions and when you ruminate, what happens over time is you just open up a, a can of worms for never really feeling great within yourself anyway. So being more mindful in the moment and actually naming the feeling. So like if someone is completely stressed out, maybe their boss is giving them shit, it's about stopping in the moment before they act out of impulse, before they go to McDonald's for their lunch to comfort them. Because the food is just a, a constant comfort for anyone. Like people, people will comfort eat out of different emotions, right? And that's what people don't quite realize. They always just think, oh, I'm emotionally eating, it's a bad thing. And I'm like, well, look at it this way. I always use, I like to use this like kind of example. When you go to a funeral in Scotland, the best thing about a funeral is the steak pie, right? No one else, <laughs> no one else goes to a funeral for anything else but the steak pie. Um, <laughs> and then like when you have a celebratory birthday dinner, for example, like that food adds to that occasion. So it's all about understanding that your emotions serve you at all times, instead of just feeling as though your emotions are there to serve you when you feel like it and get a better handle on your emotions and facing them in the moment. So naming what emotion it is you're feeling and actually asking yourself, like, is this a feeling or emotion that I want to feel? Is this something that I want to let control me moving forward? And the best way to obviously reclaim control of your autonomic nervous system and to really try and kind of flip the switch, so to speak, is obviously to just try and breathe. So, like, I get them to be more mindful in the moment. Five belly breaths in, five belly breaths out while they, they name the emotion and while they feel the emotion. So it's like, right, where is this emotion coming from? Is it coming from your head? Is it coming from your stomach? Is it coming from your legs? Are you just totally gripped fully? Like, you just feel as if you're, you're, really, you're really uptight. Um, and it's about naming it, understanding where it is, and then understanding where you want to go with it and what decision can be made that's actually going to serve you better. So instead of going home and opening up a bottle of wine, would it be potentially better to go home and do a meditation for 10 minutes because it's going to de-stress you in the same way, but it's going to serve your long-term purpose better. Yeah. yeah, that's that's massive. Like, there is so much to dissect in what you just said that's going to yeah. help people to actually serve themselves and, like you say, like, step into that better you and, like identify these issues when they're coming up um yeah. let's let's do a sort of a summary or a recap to sort of finish off because i know you're busy buddy um if you were going to give three tips for people to immediately step into their best self or like say over the next week start working on their best self what would be the three tips that you'd say um are the the main action points to move do moving forward First one would probably be accept yourself for who you are and who you are now. Um, forgive yourself for anything that you've done that you hold a grudge against yourself for because grudges weigh heavily and when they weigh heavily on you, you'll always walk around with emotional volatility on your back. And again, like I said in this call, when emotions are high, intelligence is low, so you really need to factor in the fact that a lot of the time you might be walking around judging yourself and holding a grudge with yourself because of all of the things that you've done understand that that's in the past leave it there the criminal thing would be to move forward and, and let it affect the things that you can still control in the future and basically what you should be doing now is giving your future self a better chance than your past self gave your current self and that's a great way to look at it number two would be to ensure that you you be more mindful um it doesn't have to be journaling it doesn't have to be um meditation reflection can come from just going out a walk. Reflection can come when you're driving to your work. And reflection is probably the main source of um, 
of action or like a form of action for moving forward. So if you think about reflection, it's obviously trying to identify the things that you've done well, the things that you've not done so well. So if you can reflect and understand where you've been maybe a little bit more out of control than you would like to be, it's about understanding what not to expose yourself to in the future or how you can deal with that in the future. So if people aren't into meditation, if people aren't into um, journaling and they probably aren't just because they identify themselves as someone who wouldn't like it or wouldn't get it, don't identify themselves as a happy, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. then ultimately just reflect at every given opportunity when you have time for yourself. Go longer walks, like hop in the car and go a drive, listen to some music, like just stop running away from yourself and stop running away from the things that you need to confront because they are the things essentially that are holding you back the most. And then number three would be just to be truly authentic and that might sound again quite happyish and quite broad but I think everyone's experienced trying to follow the crowd everyone's experienced trying to make other people happy which essentially when you put your happiness in the hands of anyone else it doesn't really give you happiness back because you can't expect yourself from anyone else so it's just about being your authentic self whether you like weird things whether you thrive in different area areas than your friends that's okay but you're going to look back in years to come and actually ask yourself why you spent time trying to serve a purpose that other people think you should have served instead of just serving yourself the way that you would like to. Wow. My man, I just when I thought I couldn't go any deeper, you just nailed it with those three. I think I'm going to have to clip this out and I'm going to have to put it on, even though I'm wearing my, my sexy blue light blocking glasses, I'm going to have to clip this out and uh, put it on my Instagram because that was just literally nail on the head of the conversation of the past 50 minutes and man it's been awesome having you on i think there's so much that people's going to dig in with this and like i I would encourage people if you got this far maybe just go back and listen to it again because i know that i'm going to go listen to it again maybe listen to it a couple of times to make sure that i'm taking these uh these points on board but if people want to reach out they want to find out a bit more about you or they want to just see the normal posts you put up on instagram and different things how can they find you and where do you normally hang out for all your content? Yeah, main main one would usually be Instagram, mate. So Mark Strathairn for any Aussies listening to this, um, may be difficult to spell. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very broad Scottish term. So Mark Strathairn underscore the people's PT. Really only coin myself as that because I feel like I'm a person for the people. Um mm-hmm. People have asked me that in the past. So I feel like I can resonate with people far beyond what other people can. And I like to like um, exploit that that vulnerability in people that I know will help them long term. So Mark Strathairn underscore the people's PT um, and Mark Strathairn personal training on Facebook, but that's not really where to hang out. To be perfectly honest, you'll find me mostly on Instagram. Perfect, me perfect. And if anyone is having issues with spelling that surname, if you just type Mark into my friends list, he <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he follows me back. So if you can click either followers or following, I follow him. He follows me back. You'll find him. Um, mate, this has been awesome. Like I said, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I also want to thank you for coming on because it's just something that's completely different to a lot of the chats we have on here. And it's something that's obviously got a lot of, of merit and something that people should dig into. So thank you so much for your time. And I know it was two weeks in the making, but we got here and we delivered a fucking cracking podcast as a result. So it may have been different two weeks ago, mate, with the accent. So it's, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's it, mate. That's it. No, it's been perfect, mate. So thank you very much, mate. Hopefully people will go follow you. They'll find out more about you guys. If you enjoyed this and this is the type of stuff you you like or you want to see a follow-up on with Mark, please 
screenshot now, tag us in it. Um, at least tag one of us, doesn't matter who. Um, and then we can go from there and we can, um, once, once I know you enjoy this content, I'll put more of it out, obviously. So, buddy, thank you again. Can't thank you enough, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing you guys on Instagram. Thank you, Mark. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to The O Show with your host, Oren McCory. If you liked this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and share this on your social media. We'll see you on the next episode for more no-nonsense advice to help you supercharge your efforts in the gym, in the kitchen, and most importantly, in your head. See you then.